Hare Krishna, everyone. Hare Bo. One more time, I'm addressing you from up in the, in, in the mountains and uh, speaking to you. Although I can see your backs in the window, that is within good view. I circumstances forbid that I'm amongst you. I'm not happy about this, but uh, at least we are a little closer. Uh, and at least we have celebrated in some ways together the inauguration of the Branston uh, Hall uh, Retreat Center or the Vietanta Retreat Center. Let us please mm, place some emphasis uh, or look a little bit on this. Mm, this is supposed to be a retreat center where people uh, of all kinds of walks of life can uh, discover the inner treasures of Krishna consciousness. This is meant for devotees like you. It is meant for our many school children who uh, are taking their education in our Avanti schools. It is meant for the teachers there. It is meant for uh, the people who are uh, contacted by the glorious attempts of the Bhakti school. And I can well imagine that the Bhakti school will sometimes want to bring the, uh, these more uh, interested people on a retreat. The retreat center, in other words, is meant for all types of people. I can also imagine that some of you who come into a situation in life where they would just like the noise around them to stop, where they also would like the noise inside of them to become softer and stiller, that they will spend some time and occupy one room here and in this way uh, move forward in their inner space. Today, I would like to conclude my session, The Magic of Sadhana, with a type of presentation that is meant to be thought provocative. I hope I'm not like a washerman who wants to wash clothes in the town of Nagababas. <laughs> this was said by Sutava. I need, in other words, your interest in the subject matter. I will speak about the greatest treasure which all of us have, the sacred space. I will ask Krishna to provide <coughs> me with a verse from the Bhagavatam, 3, 9 and 11, uh, and uh, then uh, I will be uh, able to base what I'm going to share with you on the Bhagavatam. I have a few quotations actually from the Bhagavatam. Mm. My dear devotees, when someone comes to Krishna Consciousness, um, one of the recommendations which we 
give them um, to start the process of bhakti is to establish a sacred place where they are living a sacred place at home we instruct them how to establish an altar we are uh, recommending that this space should not be just next to the tv set where the whole family will uh, gather uh, habitually but it should be in a disturbance free atmosphere or space at home uh, we talk of a sacred uh, of the necessity to for people to uh, establish a place where they can center themselves i don't know if you have any your english parlance the word center yourself it is used in american uh, uh, language it means to find your uh, inner uh, center to be balanced in other words and not so much uh, faced uh, by what is going on in the life to center yourself is important so that you can live a life of the self and not an artificial wrong life i think sometimes we need uh, in a presentation to come back to these simple um, truths how important it is to center yourself and how you need a sacred space I had a disciple, um, no, I have a disciple who's not with us on the retreat. He has some work to do. And he described to me a lot of his problems. Yes, I, uh, I had to live um, with my uh, father and mother and my new wife, and somehow they did not get along too well. Then I got a new flat, but the neighbors objected to our kirtan, and uh, I'm very bad in dealing with neighbors. I did kirtan anyways, and then they made big noise. And he continued to telling me to tell me a big, big list of problems. Then I asked him, did you ever consider that you are not the body? Have you heard this? Uh, I mean, do, do the, sometimes in lectures and in Prabhupada's books, there is this point, we are not the body. And uh, to go on in, uh, in our life uh, when we are totally identified, with the body and the mind and its innumerable problems uh, that, that creates uh, unnecessary complications. Uh, and he looked at me as if I had offended him. Uh, uh, and, and I really needed to produce quickly a Mongol Arctic Suite to save our conversation um, because I feel this uh, total ignor ignorance or ignoring of um, spiritual point, points 
are also there in the Hare Krishna movement and certainly in the Pandavasena uh, movement, this, this lack of spiritual depths. Uh, I said to him, just consider, if you are an eternal soul, you, part of God, you are very, very uh, uh, perfect already. And this is just a passing trouble and it can be easily solved. You just, you just, uh, uh, I said, you, you don't need much to, to come into the, uh, 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 to, to come on the level of Krishna consciousness or come in your sacred space. You just chant your, on your beats, you hear it, you go inside into the core of your heart uh, and you meet Krishna and you're happy. Devotees ask me, how am I? Because I'm physically not so well. I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm happy and content and uh, yeah, diseases and, uh, and uh, the coming and going of diseases is, has always been there. There's nothing new, you know, it's just nothing to be so worried. It will come and it will go and already today I'm I'm feeling very happy, but even on the day when it was difficult, I, I could understand that I'm not the body, I have to tolerate this now a little. Um, I belong to God. This is Krishna consciousness. Please note, this is practical spiritual life. And uh, yes, so for people to access this, the first step is to build a nice, to designate a nice area in their homes, a peaceful area, an area that is free of distraction, and to then clean a little bit the room around or, or tidy the room, I think is the right word in English. You tidy the room up so that you are uh, as distraction-free as possible. If you have your you know, distractions just next to the altar, then you might at times uh, uh, leave your spiritual practice and go to the distractions. So be wise, make it a, a, a very nice and focused uh, play, uh, place. And then you do your spiritual practice. You chant, you offer your food, you may read also the Bhagavatam, you pray, you offer your obeisances, you worship the Lord with a stick of incense. And in this way, uh, something very important happens to you. The physical sacred space, in other words, becomes a launching pad <laughs> for you to go into another uh, uh, sacred space, the sacred space in the heart. Have you been there already today? <laughs> Have you been there last week, maybe one time? last month. Do you know how to visit that sacred space within? 
and uh, do you know how to relish the reality that are waiting there within you <coughs> these are questions which i will gently uh, address today first of all uh, uh, the Brahma Sanghita says, Santa Sadeva Ridayeshvilokayanti. The saintly people see the Lord in the innermost core of their heart. Uh, the Bhagavatam uh, has a very, very nice verse. And the, those of you who like Bhagavatam, I think it is 95%. Of you you might take a note now this I'm going to read to you uh, from the third canto ninth chapter text 11 where Lord Brahma addresses Lord Krishna in prayer he said oh my Lord imagine the four-headed Brahma standing before the Lord his hands are folded. Oh my Lord, your devotees can see you, but not through the eyes. They see you through the ears by the process of bona fide hearing, and thus their hearts become cleansed. And you take your seat there in the heart. No? So the devotees will hear about Krishna like you did yesterday. You had Kirtan. I was uh, happily uh, chanting along. I, I heard it. It was very nicely audible. It uh, came up here and uh, I thought how nice uh, uh, by this chanting uh, the hearts become cleansed if the devotees just focus their mind on that holy name then this will happen and then as a result what happens there you get a guest krishna you take your seat in the heart of your devotees in the purified heart you are so merciful to your devotees that you manifest yourself in the particular eternal form of transcendence in which they always think of you. This is a, a one indication of the Bhagavatam where uh, uh, Brahma speaks about this place, the place in the heart um, that is the uh, the, uh, the sacred place of the heart. Uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti describes this a little bit more in detail. He says, You, Krishna, exist with your abode in the temple of the heart. And you can, met, can be met there when the door to the entrance has been unlocked or opened. 
by Bhakti Yoga. So well, this is a concept, you know. There's a temple in our heart or a space in the heart that is uh, closed for us because of Ahamamiti. We are identifying with the body and the mind or I and mine. And we are so much spread out in the external world. Siddhi Shakti in her presentation really told us, I mean, how people are intoxicated nowadays by the body-produced dopamine because they look for validation in the outside world. They can get it quickly by by, you know, by being active and manipulating a few buttons on the internet and producing some uh, content which they have looked, uh, they have taken it from others and put it new together. Yes, then it's a great sadhu. Then the, when they get the likes, they have a lot of dopamine emission and <laughs> become uh, so to say, intoxicated. Uh, and in this intoxicated state where their attention is so much fixed in the outside world, they just always miss that place of deep contentment, the place where the soul and uh, Krishna can be met. No? As Vishwanath said, Shakavati Tago says, you Krishna exist with your abode in the temple of the heart and you can be met there when the door to the entrance has been unlocked or opened by bhakti yoga this is a very let us reflect on what we have just heard because it is so new it is so revolutionary it is so, let us say, it, it creates new paradigms. It's truly something less ordinary, you know, for a life less ordinary, as we say. There is a great, what, what does it say? A great treasure is hidden within all of our hearts. It's the sacred space inside. Some call it the interior castle. This is the mystics of Spain, Spain. Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, calls it like this. Others call it the sky of the heart. That is the Indic traditions and Antarakash. Uh, others refer to it as the lotus of the heart that is uh, the Buddhists, others call it the sacred space, that's the theologians, uh, others call it the temple of the heart, that's the Vaishnavas, but they all speak about the same place, uh, the place within the heart. The Upanishads, of course, say that in that uh, hard. There are two entities, the self and the Lord. 
you must have heard that they speak of the tree of the body as a tree there's a nest that's the heart and inside yes there's a super soul and the law and then and the soul um, but unfortunately unfortunately we are so misguided because we have lost the spiritual dimension even when we join a spiritual movement that every day we walk past this hidden treasure uh, and, and look for treasures elsewhere. I think you remember Prabhupada's example of the musk deer who smells this beautiful fragrance which comes from that gland uh, above the navel and, uh, and, talk, uh, and, and it wants to smell or find the origin of the musk and runs all over the forest, left and right, left and right, and is becoming totally careless so that the hunters have an easy game with that uh, illusion to must deal Stop, you should say to the musketeer. Stop, you should say to yourself, where are you running? <laughs> Uh, the treasures lie inside. If you keep on running, you might well miss them. When we build a retreat center, we need to speak about these things. We need to become aware of this because we want people who come here to rediscover their lost treasure, to become rich and wealthy again in their uh, own spiritual life to become content to become less influenced by the ups and downs uh, the day and the night the health and the disease the uh, um, friendships and the quarrels the marriages and the divorce since this goes on by the law of karma, it rolls over us, wave after wave. Don't be washed away by this external uh, things. Join those uh, ecstatic human beings who have since time immemorial gone the path which led them inside to the safe place where they could find shelter. The sacred space is a place of shelter. The word Sharana, which translates as shelter into the English language, has three meanings. Those who like to think, please think now along with me. Uh, the first meaning of shelter is um, shelter in the sense of protection from unwanted external disturbances. For instance, now you're sitting within my eyes view in this beautiful uh, uh, meeting room or temple room in our retreat center and even if it should rain now, even if it should become very cold and snow, 
you have a roof over your head which will give you shelter from these unwanted influences so someone who has found shelter he cannot be hunted down by misery the second meaning of shelter gets a little deeper it is connected to the understanding of base a point in life where I stand like standpoint view firm uh, ground on which you stand groundedness young people sometimes uh, still look out for that type of shelter because they're not so sure as of yet but when the doubts have gone uh, let us remember Sutapa Prabhu's brilliant class yesterday the doubts have gone then yes you have found a standpoint and you are sheltered or safe now the third dimension of shelter and here it gets very interesting for our uh, discussion of the sacred space is mm, shelter in a sadhana in a spurt of practice that when you do that sadhana when you are engaged in that spurt of practice you somehow feel i'm sorry <coughs> <coughs> you are able to rise above the let us say material influences and you feel so connected and sheltered with krishna um, i had this yesterday in my own life i you know these few days were whatever they were and i could not sleep very well in the night yesterday uh, because i had slept so long before because of the illness but now i'm coming out i i, I had so much energy i felt that i i want to dance with these pandavasenas in the kirtan <laughs> um, so and you know when we have a sleepless night we uh, it's not all, we, we know <coughs> most probably it's good to sleep but we can't so what i did is i took shelter in sadhana i chanted extra rounds i felt immediately oh here i am with krishna i'm sitting before my little altar and i'm allowed to enter deeper deeper into the chanting of the holy name and the remembrance of krishna chanting means you remember krishna only when you are uh, not focusing your mind you don't remember everything else except for krishna but when you call someone's name you think of the person no that is the normal thing to do uh, so yes so 
sadhana can give us that shelter. And we will hear uh, in a few, after some time, few minutes, one English devotee who found shelter in his sadhana, uh, even when he was uh, almost executed, on the, you know, he was shot. You will be surprised. I have uh, uh, retrieved a story uh, or a, a, something that happened to our Tribhuvanar Prabhu. I think he is somewhat like a, a legend to many of you. You have only heard about him, but uh, I also know that some of you have met him and talked of him and been impressed by his devotion to Krishna and to Prabhupada. Yeah, good. Sadhana can give us a shelter uh, in, in, uh, in difficult times. Actually, I, let me tell the story of Tribhuvanat now. It was in, uh, da, 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 I've written it down here, in the 80s, when Tribhuvanat Prabhu uh, visited uh, Lebanon to distribute Prabhupada's uh, books there <laughs> and try to uh, gather interest in Krishna consciousness. He visited the capital town, Beirut, and uh, after distributing books here and there, he was arrested by the military forces on the suspicion of being a spy. Yeah, that he had been sent in there by, I don't know whom, but by some foreign countries to spy out or he was on the side of the enemy or, or something. So he uh, told about this experience. He said, I was held for one month in a cell too small to lie down and I was kept uh, under constant surveillance through a grill. That was the door of my cell. Can we imagine here the small room, not maybe like a little bigger, like, like this maybe, but not big enough. He could only sit up, not lie down. Wow. And there was a door covering the whole expanse of the room, that, you know, how wide the, it was, which was a grill I could see every movement. The, the light was always kept on. He was not allowed to find sleep because uh, the idea was they wanted him to, to say uh, and confess <coughs> something. Um, and I was fed on something like bread and water. Outside the cell, I regularly heard sharp gunshots and occasionally the sound of someone screaming and then the screaming stopped. These were executions. Just imagine you sit there and you hear just outside on the other side of the wall 
<coughs> the sh uh, sharp gunshots, and then someone screams and stops screaming. And you know, it's only a matter of time until I will be brought out and executed. I did not know what would be my future because my captors spoke a different language. You know, I, I don't know what they speak there. I, I think Arabic. In this situation, all I could do to keep my sanity was to go to that space inside that I heard about in the temple. So I meditated. He told me what he did. He visited temples. He visited the Bhaktivedanta Meda, uh, paid his obeisances to Prabhupada. I cooked and offered delicious meals. <laughs> I had Sangha with devotees. I danced and even gave lectures uh, to huge crowds, uh, all in my mind, all in my heart. After a month, without warning, I was suddenly pulled out of the cell, unwashed. And I knew this is my end. I was brought to the place of execution. I passed the place of execution. I was put in the car, driven to the airport, given my British passport <laughs> and sent to London. He thought it was his end. From all the indications, it looked like that. But uh, he was set free. Now, what had he done, my dear devotees? He had done what we advise every newcomer in which we absolutely never do because we are what we are. He had done it because he was under pressure. He had gone into that safe space by his sadhana, chanting silently, meditating about service of Krishna. And by this he had found shelter, even in such a situation. It was not a normal prison, my dear devotees. This was a prison which was in most cases an end station for those who got there. He had entered the shelter of the sacred space and he was sheltered. Three dimensions of shelter. Let us recap, recap, what is the word, recap, recap, you say recap in English. Shelter is a place where you're protected. Shelter is a place where you can stand. It's like a base, like a viewpoint, standpoint. Shelter is also a sadhana, spiritual practice that can, and uh, this all is available in the shelter of the sacred space. 
I will tell you now at the end uh, a story from from the nectar of devotion, and then I will make an exercise with you. Uh, I hope it will work over Zoom. I'm, it's the first time where I attempt to do this, so I might have to adjust a little to your needs in the temple room, but um, we will try our best. I want to give you an experience of that sacred space, which will make you hopefully interested. And then I will conclude. Mm -hmm. Conclude means question and answers. So we hear in the nectar of devotion a beautiful, beautiful traditional story that uh, many of us are familiar with. It was about a Brahmana who was not well to do. Um, still, uh, he lived quite peacefully. There was only one thing on his mind which constantly gave him a disturbance. He wanted to worship Krishna. He had read in the Gita that one should worship Krishna. But he was so poor, he could not even afford mangoes or anything to offer to Krishna. So one day, he went to a lecture by a prominent Vaishnava speaker who told him or who told his audience that you can perform devotional service um, either with your physical senses, you know, you use your hands, your legs, your voice, etc. Or you can also perform devotional service in your mind in your heart. <laughs> so the Brahmana was, was very intrigued and he thought, wow, I may not be able to buy a mango, but I can pluck mangoes in my mind and then prepare them and offer them to the Lord. So every morning he used to sit down he did a few pranayama exercises to calm down, to become more internal, more peaceful. And then uh, he would um, take his bath in four sacred rivers. You know, it's, it's, it's possible to go everywhere in your mind. There's no limitation. He would, there was a temple a well-constructed temple and uh, uh, well-constructed temple uh, and uh, uh, in, in his mind and he would let me let me tell this correctly to you he would dress the Lord very nicely in costly garments he would put ornaments on the Lord, a helmet, a helmet, paraphernalia of all sorts. Then he offered obeisances by bowing down to the Lord. Then he got up his dhoti in his meditation and cleansed the temple very nicely. Then he filled water jugs made of gold and silver with the holy water of many holy rivers. 
and he collected flowers, fruits, incense, and sandalwood pulp for worship. And then he offered everything very nicely for the Lord's satisfaction. Finally, he offered an aratic ceremony and then concluded the whole thing by, by offering the proper worship. So the Brahmana daily executed such service for many years. And then one day, this is the day which, which makes it very nice, he went into meditation and cooked sweet rice. And uh, the way I heard it in the Bhavishya Purana, this right, yes, Bhavishya Purana. When he was bringing the pot of sweet rice to the altar, his thumbs slipped from the rim, from the edge, and came into the, the, the sweet rice. And immediately he screamed out in pain, ah! And he took his finger out. He came out of his meditation when he looked at his finger it was burnt he looked around was there fire was there anything which could have inflicted this wound but he saw nothing actually my dear devotees uh, he had only he had been in this sacred temple of his heart and done everything there but the effects were felt on the body and at least they were made manifest there at that time lord the lord and vaikunda smiled he turned around to his uh, vishnu dutas and said bring that brahmana to me which brahmana that meditating brahmana bring him to me he has satisfied me with his devotion which is pleasure uh, which which with with him with his uh, uh, devotional service uh, i want to keep him by my side and i will never let him go so in this way the brahmana was permanently brought to Vaikuntha back home, back to Godhead, because his service had been accepted. I think what Sutapa yesterday shared about the Lady Olga, I th think some of you were moved, you know, that lady who said, I'm chanting the Lord's name, but I'm, I'm sometimes mechanical and I I feel that it doesn't reach the heart of the Lord. I think she, that Olga had also experienced, you know, when we are in that sacred space of the heart, uh, not in the distracted uh, mind, then, my dear devotees, when we are reaching the heart of the Lord, we are together with him. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm always smiling when I talk to you. 
And sometimes I don't smile and I become very heavy as I think of certain individuals amongst you who are so close yet so far away from, from the treasures of, that are, are their birthrights. My dear devotees, what we hear here is something that we should make to work in our lives. We can't remain eternal beginners, you know, who don't feel well, who feel who are entangled and so on and so forth in our minds and so on. You're meant to be very, very blissful, very happy in Krishna consciousness, very loving souls and so on. And I think this approach which we are hearing today will help you. And because most of us, me included, we are external people. We need. We can do. The, we can start externally. We can put, uh, make a first-class altar in our homes. You know. We can. Why don't you? When you go back, look at your altar and see. Are you satisfied with that altar after hearing this class or after visiting this retreat? If, uh, if you feel there is some improvement possible, then please uh, do not be shy to improve the altar, to make it a little bit more attractive. The altar room should not be the room which is not at all visited in our home. The extra room where we never go, where we just pass by, because where we just feel satisfied. Oh yeah, I know it's there. It's it's, it's there. It's it's okay. It's okay. I also am a proper Hare Krishna devotee. No, we should use it as a place where we center. If the altar room is not giving us that shelter, we should see where we can establish something that is more attractive for us. That can enchant us more. That can bring us forward. This is the first thing. Then the second thing is from there you can do all the sadhanas which we have heard about. We talked about sadhu sangha. Well, uh, I have more in mind now uh, the Bhagavatam, reading the Bhagavatam and churning the Bhagavatam. Let us remember what Sutapa uh, was sharing yesterday with us, how it is possible for us to go uh, deeper into our, uh, our uh, uh, journey. I think the very simple process is also is is there in in addition that we we just hear something then we reflect about it then we apply it and we pray for empowerment no? and uh, then after having done this. Um, 
we engage in our sadhana. When, when it's chanting, we chant and try to listen to us chanting sincerely. In other words, we bring the sound vibration to the heart. We don't keep it on the flickering mind level. And as far as reading uh, the Bhagavatam, you know, it, it really only reveals itself, the Bhagavatam, if you, if you uh, do hold the subjects a little in the mind by reflecting about them and by also sharing or speaking with other devotees about them. So, as we do this, we will enter that mysterious place. I was a, a, as a young man, I liked to travel. Even this, this like has not left me entirely, although now I have seen enough. <laughs> I may like to go to China if Krishna is uh, allowing me. This is the last place. And then I only go to India, nowhere else. So I always like to travel. When I personally heard, already before Krishna consciousness, there's the sacred space, I thought, now that's for later in life. I will do this later. Then I heard it, um, heard the story of the Brahmana, in which I have recited to you. And I thought, yes, good, good, good. I know about this. I've heard about it in other traditions. But that's for later. Then I noticed something. I noticed that devotees were very enthusiastic when they joined Krishna consciousness, but they became less enthusiastic after some time. And I just noticed it, but I I didn't know what to think about it, nor what to do about it. Then I became a so-called older devotee, and more and more devotees came to me and said, Sachinandan, uh, I was still a brahmachari at that time, Do, can you give us any advice how we can relish Krishna consciousness a little bit more and lose our taste for, for Maya? And uh, I gave many answers at that time. But as I became older, I noticed you can only stay in Krishna consciousness when you visit that God-given place. God himself has come into this place as the Lord of the heart. No, you, uh, you yourself, as your authentic self, as your eternal self, are in that heart. It, it is not possible for a spiritualist to ignore this <laughs> and then live a fulfilled spiritual life. It is simply not possible. It is let me use a new uh, an English word which I just learned. A fallacy. No, fallacy is there, this English word. Mm, it is, it is, 
will not work. Will not work. So, my dear everyone, what do you think so far? I want to end with a little interactive exercise, means I will guide you in a meditation, but I just want to see uh, if you have any questions so far. Let me also drink a little water here. Radhika Ranjan, do you hear me? No, apparently. Any questions? What? I'm just looking to see if there are any questions in the room. Straightforward, isn't it? <laughs> Seems like it. <laughs> oh, yes, there's one question by Rindavani Mataji. Rindavani. I hear you. Please ask. Um, sorry, it might seem like a really silly question, uh, but sometimes the sacred space uh, can become a little bit cluttered uh, with so many other things, uh, so it's not so clean and sacred anymore. Um, so how do we try to keep that sacred space clear and uh, in, a, in a higher mode and not bring everything with us into it? Thoughtful question. It's nice, you know, to hear question from someone who practices since many years. And yes, I, I think what you say is 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 true. You know, we go inside of our hearts and we we see nothing sacred in there. We see anxieties, we see do-lists after do-lists, which we have not yet done. We see relationships that need repair or that have become a little neutral and are no longer so dynamic as they used to be. We see many things. Yes. Yes. Vindavani these things which you mention, they happen in the room of that are before the, the sacred space. The sacred space is something very spiritual. It can never be tainted by the things. But, but these things which you have said are definitely happening or cluttering our inner space before the room. Think of it like this. We are here in Branston, you know, Branston Retreat Center, and I think Naveen Krishna, the team, gave me the 
most spacious room. It has a living room, there's a small kitchen, and there is also a sleeping room and an attached private bathroom. So I think this is, as far as living is concerned, private living, the, the room which maybe the Lord, I forgot his name, I read it a few days ago, the Lord who, for whom this was built, occupied. No? So before you come to this room, there are other rooms that are not as big, not as beautifully built, uh, and they are there. So, so in the same way, when we go into the inner journey, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we have to pass through these other rooms which are before and we, and we sometimes see, ooh, I need to tidy them, them up because as long as there's so much um, going on and so much disturbance, ooh, I, I just can't focus on Krishna. Uh, it's, it's not possible. Every time I'm going deeper, boom, I see this problem or that problem. Um, you know, Vindavani and everyone else, I have uh, many friends and some of them are uh, very pious people, uh, but they are not in Krishna consciousness. They are, uh, you know, appreciating Krishna consciousness. Uh, uh, and, and I've noticed most of them are professors. <laughs> I don't know why, because I ran away from school when I was 16. But uh, so one friend of mine is a teacher and he is a, a devotee. It's not James, he's in, in Germany, this person. And he has come to my seminars where I did guided med meditations. And he did guided meditations, uh, simplify in a simplified way, in his classroom. He is, I think, yes, he is a religious teacher, an instructor on, on religion. So he thought, let me do a meditation with these children who are 15 years old, like this. So he did it, and all of a sudden, one child went, ah! and everyone came, came out of that silent mode and looked around, because that scream was so... And he said, what went on for you? Why, why did you scream? And the child said, oh, Better don't speak about it, but I, but I saw something very disturbing that I had experienced five, five, five months ago, and I was revisiting it, and I became scared. Maybe that was a, a very traumatic experience, you know. So 
the teacher became interested. His name is Clemens. Clemens. I don't think much that there is an English word for Clemens. No? Clemens. Uh, Clemens, a German name. And he did a few more meditations and he found out. And this is why I'm so, so much, let me say, aware of this or why I preach about this, that most children cannot go any longer into, uh, and come in contact with themselves because they are constantly uh, bombarded by social media. They're constantly on Twitter, on, on uh, I don't know, there are other things, TikTok, TikTok, or TikTok. Uh, that is for children in our community. It's a, you know, we, we, we cannot keep them because they go to schools and they, the other children do also TikTok and, and then they have to be, have to also have a TikTok account to TikTok with everyone. And, and, and so many thi things are happening and, and, uh, and the social media which keep people's attention all, almost all the time about, they are drawn outside by this uh, modern development. And I'm afraid that we are about to lose our sacred dimension as human beings. I'm very afraid of this. I'm very afraid that this will happen also to the Hare Krishna movement, that we will only do things in an external, superficial way and not derive the deep satisfaction and purification uh, of it. It's, it's a great danger. I have one professor friend in America, he's quite well known, David Haberman. He said, I asked him, what do you think is the main duty of spiritual movements now. And he said, you have to help people to, to get in contact with the sacred dimension. They're, they're losing it more and more by the way our society goes. It's, it's, it's I have seen uh, on this trip two people who are in great risk of losing it. I, I've seen that uh, and they're not even worried about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, very threatening. It's very threatening. People talk about many threats now, nowadays, but I personally think the threat is maybe the greatest uh, threat. No? How much uh, Prabhupada used to work for, for us. Because uh, Krishna, I got. Uh, can you give me that? I want to read to you. I, I, I always get these lovely quotes by Prabhupada from the, from the devotees, and I got one quote which I wanted to uh, read to you, where you can see how Prabhupada was seeing that already happening in his time. He said, "Do you read?" Prabhupada gives a lecture in Tokyo, right? And he says, do you read <laughs> to his devotees? 
So if you don't read, then you will feel restless. Oh, let me go from Japan to India. And then again from India to Japan. You know, these were devotees who had, uh, uh, who were with him traveling. And he said, uh, he was speaking about this discontent man, which comes if you don't read because you want to fight, you become restless and you want to fight everything outside. You are restless because you don't read. I'm laboring so hard for you, but you don't take advantage. <coughs> don't take advantage of eating and sleeping. Take advantage of these books. Then your life will be successful. My duty is, I have given you so many valuable things. Day and night, I'm trying to convince you. Each word, to word. But if you don't take advantage of this, then what can I do for you? Well, but I was, I was saying this. So, so we should not uh, uh, fall into this category. And uh, as I said, Vindavani, you have asked yesterday a question, and uh, I know you, and I know you are a strong person, so I say strongly for you it will be important. I think when you come home, you need to see this with your altar. Is it all right? Are you satisfied with it? Then you need to go from that external sacred space, which you make as nice as you can. Maybe put some fragrant, uh, you know, what is it called, Dist distilled things so that you are attracted to stay in there. You are a cultured person, you like good fragrances. You can offer the fragrances to Krishna. Do anything so that you feel peaceful and happy and then start your chanting in, in seriousness and uh, enter that sacred space. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Good. So, by the way, it doesn't look so gloomy with every any one of you. You are great souls. That is why when I, I can see that you are very good and, and, and you are endeavoring and you are have taste in Krishna consciousness. I, I'm just, that's my duty as a spiritual person. I have to point you out, point out to you that he is placed to move further. Good. I would say every one of us, we can uh, just uh, end this position. I will do a little guided tour to you, with you. Let me see. Uh, it is actually a philosophical guided tour because I can't create over Zoom the effect of a guided meditation. It's uh, it's somehow you know it, it loses in my in my experience. I want to 
give you a three-step process to enter the sacred space. That's the best we can do. Those who like to take notes, this is a good play, a good time to do. The Prabhupada once spoke about the first step in self-realization. In fact, the last time I saw Srila Prabhupada was in his rooms in the Bhaktivedanta Mena, and he spoke again about this first step. What I will quote to you comes from the book Beyond Birth, Birth and Death. He said, the very first step in self-realization is realizing one's identity as separate from the body. I'm not this body, but I'm spirit soul is an essential realization for anyone who wants to transcend death and enter into the spiritual world beyond. It is not simply a matter of saying, I'm not the body. No, it's a matter of actually realizing it. <laughs> First step, we, you have to start with identity because if self is lost, everything else is lost. <laughs> Let's be clear. We are part and parcel of Krishna. Then the next step is the way you can practically practice this position is in, in a simple exercise that you will love very dearly. Um, uh, it is to enter what is called the observer position. And this means that you are watching your life, or why the life, that's a big, big thing to watch. You're watching an interaction more or less like a photo camera, a video camera, your, your mobile, mobile telephone would, would watch it. Yeah? Uh, uh, what you do is you uh, switch off your emotions and just see what is going on. I think those of you who are mothers and fathers have to sometimes do this when the children are upset and you need to figure out what is it that needs to be taken care of you can't be all upset now you just lean back and see okay my child is crying um, I mean has he hurt him his hand or has he hurt his feet or is there something in the stomach that needs to be that needs to come out? You you just observe in a neutral way. Mm. Mm. Jan Prabhu, uh, who sends you greetings, by the way, we we spoke uh, uh, today. He said, "A witness sees the thought." I want to buy a new purple car. <laughs> you know, do you sometimes have this idea, a new purple car? Maybe not purple car, but 
the white card maybe or black card. No? So a witness sees the thought, I want to buy a new purple car. And he sees it as interesting. But he translates it. Oh, interesting. My mind now thinks it wants to buy a new purple car. When the mood of witnessing, you know, just seeing what is running through your mind, when you apply this, when it is invoked, the mode of goodness tends to increase and the mind slows down. One has opened a space, even though it is only a very small space and provided a little bit more freedom to choose. And he repeats, let me repeat that with increased goodness, free choice expands and one may note, alluring as any thought may appear, I am not that thought. The thought is simply mine, something passing through the doorway of my mind. <laughs> you may be in a group of uh, people and your mind gets, ah, oh, look at this person. I mean, he thinks he looks very beautiful with this new hairstyle, but he looks like a fool from Alaska. Objectively speaking, he looks uh, very, very foolish, but he is so self-conceited. And you see this, these thoughts are coming in your mind. Then you say, oh, my mom, you, you take the observer position. I'm not the mind. I'm not the body. And you think, interesting, my, my uh, mind again finds faults. Uh, based on external appearance. Mm, but I'm not the thoughts. I can detach from the thoughts. I don't need to go by the thoughts. And in this way, you can uh, detach yourself. You can ask yourself the question, is it true, is it necessary that I think the thought? And you can gently release many, many thoughts. But if you are too attached, too involved in it, this is what we do as preachers. When people come, come with full misery to us, then we look for our box of tissue papers. We provide the box in a very decent way and let them cry for a moment. And then we say, but couldn't we see it from another perspective where it is uh, more encouraging, where we see actually a way out and so on. We give new perspectives and everyone leaves happily the room and hopefully is able to follow up on what they have heard. No? This new perspective helps us to get into the witness consciousness. And finally, you should go into some prayer. You should say, my dear Lord, I belong only to you. 
I'm truthfully yours. I'm at the moment in adverse conditions. I'm influenced by the material energy, by the body and the mind. I need to, your help to uh, come out. Please uplift me. Please bring me to the safe shelter of your lotus feet. Prayers like this, you know, can help you. And in this way you make your life successful. Because by prayers, prayers is the key to the Lord's heart. And when the Lord's heart opens, he may throw a glance on you and it may be possible by his mercy to very quickly to very unexpectedly, to very undeservedly enter the sacred space of the heart. I thank you very much for listening. I hope you uh, can place this lecture um, in a context of the magic of sadhana. I wanted to just give you another tool uh, from where sadhana can uh, e uh, extend its, how do you say, its effect. And I also wanted to say what it means to go on retreat, what this traditional process means. You know, don't just read it on the brochure of the Vedanta Center. We will provide a space where people can come closer to the self. Don't just read these things. You need to understand what they mean. You need to understand what they mean in your life. You need to understand and you need to experience it in your life. Then your association will be even more nice than it is already. Hare Krishna, Jai Prabhupada, Haribo! Maharaj ki, Prabhupada ki, O